Industrial Revolution by Paul Anderson. Well, yes, Amsbar admitted. It was a unique war in many ways, including its origin. However, there are so many analogies to other colonial revolutions. His words trailed off as usual. I know, Earth's mercantile policies and so forth, said Lindgren. He, fa he fancies himself a student of interplanetary history. This has led to quite a few arguments since Amsbar, who teaches in that field, joined the club. Mostly they're good. I went to the bar and got myself another drink, listening as the mine owner's big vice went on. But what began it? When did the asteroids first start realizing they weren't pseudopods of a dozen terrestrial nations, but a single nation in their own right? There's the root of the revolution, and it can be pinned down too. Where metaphor? cried someone at my elbow. I turned and saw Missy Blades. She'd come quietly into the lounge and started mixing a gin and bitters. The view window framed her white head in Orion as she moved toward the little cluster of seated men. She took a fat cigar from her pocket, struck it on her shoe sole, and added her special contribution to the blue cloud in the room after she sat down. Excuse me, she said. I couldn't help that. Please go on. Which I hope relieves you of any fear that she's an unforgettable character. Oh, yes, she's old Satan now. Her toil and guts and conniving make up half the biography of the sword. She manned a gun turret at Ceres, and was mate to the Tearfing and some of the earliest satin ones when men took their lives between their teeth because they needed both hands free. Her sons and grandsons filled the belt with their brawling ventures. She can drink any ordinary man to the deck. She's one of the three women ever admitted to the club, but she's also one of the few genuine ladies I've known in my life. Oh, well, Lindgren grinned at her. I was saying, Missy, the germ of the revolution was when the stations armed themselves. You see, that meant more than police powers. It implied a degree of sovereignty. Over the years, the implication grew. Correct. Orloff nodded his bald head. I remember how the governing commission squalled when the station managers first demanded the right. They foresaw trouble. But if the stations belonging to one country put in space weapons, what else could the others do? They should have stuck together and all been firm about refusing to allow it, Amspar said. From the standpoint of their own best interests, I mean. They tried to, Olaf replied. I hate to think how many communications we sent home from our own office, and the others must have done the same. But Earth was a long way off. The station bosses were close. Inverse square law of political pressure. I grant you, arming every new little settlement proved important, Amspar said. But really, it expressed nothing more than the first inchoate stirrings of asteroid nationalism, and the origins of that are much more subtle and complex. For, for instance, uh, you, you've got to have a key event somewhere, Lindgren insisted. I say that this was it. A silence fell, as will happen in conversation. I came back from the bar and settled myself beside Missy. She looked for a while into her drink, and then out to the stars. The slow spin of our rocket now brought the dippers into view. Her faded eyes sought the pole star, but it's Earth's, not her own anymore, and I wondered what memories they were sharing. She shook herself the least bit and said, I don't know about the sociological ins and outs. All I know is a lot of things happened, and there wasn't any pattern to them at the time. We just slogged through as best we were able, which really wasn't very good. But I can identify one of those wriggling roots for you, Sigurd. I was there when the question of arming stations first came up, or rather, when the incident occurred that led directly to the question being raised. 
Our whole attention went to her. She didn't dwell on the past as often as we would have liked. A slow, private smile crossed her lips. She looked beyond us again. As a matter of fact, she murmured, I got my husband out of it. Then, quickly, as if to keep from remembering too much, do you care to hear the story? It was when the sword was just getting started. They'd established themselves an SSC-45. Oh, never mind the catalogue number. Sword Enterprises, because Mike Blade's name suggested it. What kind of name would you get out of Jimmy Jung, or even if he was a senior partner? It sounded too much like a collision with a meteorite. So naturally, the asteroid also came to be called the Sword. They began on the borrowed shoestring that was usual in those days. Of course, in the belt, a shoestring has to be mighty long, and finances got stretched to the limit. The older men here will know how much had to be done by hand, and mortal danger, because machines were too expensive. But in spite of everything, they succeeded. The station was functional, and they were ready to start business, when it was no coincidence that the Jupiter craft were arriving steadily when the battleship came. Construction had been scheduled with this in mind, that the sword should be approaching conjunction with the King Planet, making direct shuttle service feasible, just as the chemical plant went into service. We need not consider how much struggle and heartbreak had gone into meeting that schedule. As for the battleship, she appeared because the fact that a station in just this orbit was about to commence operations was news important enough to cross the solar system and push through many strata of bureaucracy. The heads of the recently elected North American government became suddenly fully aware of what had been going on. Michael Blades was outside, overseeing the installation of a receptor, when his earplug buzzed. He thrust his chin against the tuning plate, switching from gang to inter-office band. Mike? Sir Davis Page's voice. You're wanted up front. Now, he objected, whatever for. Courtesy visit from the NASS Altair. You've lost track of time, my boy. What the, the jumping blue blazers are you talking about? We've had our courtesy visit. Jimmy and I both went over to pay our respects, and we had Rear Admiral Hulse at a dinner. What more do you expect for Harry's sake? Don't you remember? Since there wasn't room to entertain his officers, you promised to take them on a personal guided tour later. I made the appointment the very next watch. Now's the hour. Oh, yes, it comes back to me. Yeah. Hulse bought a magnum of champagne with him, and after so long a time drinking recycled water, my capacity was shot to pieces. I got a warm glow of good fellowship on and offered. Let Jimmy handle it. I'm busy. The party's too large, he says. You'll have to take half of them. That gig will dock in thirty minutes. Well, depute somebody else. That'd be rude, Mike. Have you forgotten how sensitive they are about rank at home? Avis hesitated. If what I believe about the mood back there is true, we can use the goodwill of high-level Navy personnel and any other influential people in sight. Blades drew a deep breath. You're too blinking sensible. Remind me to fire you after I've made my first ten million bucks. What'll you do for your next ten million, then? Snapped his secretary file, clerk, confidant, advisor, etc. Nothing. I'll just squander the first. Goody. Can I help? Ugh. I'll be right along. Blades switched off. His ears felt hot, as often of late when he tangled with Avis, and he unlimbered only a few choice oaths. Troubles, said Carlos Sodaneu. Blade stood a moment, looking around before he answered. He was on the wide end of the sword, which was shaped roughly like a truncated pyramid. Beyond him and his half-dozen men stretched a vista of pitted rock, jutting crags, gulf-black shadows under the glare of floodlamps. A few kilometers away, the farthest horizon ended, chopped off like a cliff. Beyond lay the stars, crowding that night which never ends. 
It grew very still while the gang waited for his word. He could listen to his own lungs and pulse, loud in the spacesuit. He could even notice its interior smell, its blend of plastic and oxygen cycle chemicals, flesh and sweat. He was used to the sensation of hanging upside down on the surface, grip-soled boots holding him against that fractional G by which the asteroid's rotation overcame its feeble gravity. But it came to him that this was an airy bat-fashion way for an Oregon farm boy to stand. Oregon was long behind him, though, not only the food factory where he grew up, but the coasts where he'd fished and the woods where he'd tramped. No loss. There'd always been too many tourists. You couldn't escape from people on Earth. Cold and vacuum and raw rock and everything. The belt was better. It annoyed him to be interrupted here. Could Carlos take over as foreman? No, Blades decided. Not yet. A gas receptor was an intricate piece of equipment. Carlos was a good man of his hands. Every one of the hundred-odd in the station necessarily was, but he hadn't done this kind of work often enough. I have to quit, Blades said. Secure the stuff and report back to Buck Myers over at the dock, the lot of you. His crew's putting in another recoil pier, as I suppose you know. They'll find jobs for you. I'll see you here again on your next watch. He waved. Being half the nominal ownership of this place didn't justify snobbery when everyone must work together or die, and stepped off toward the nearest entry lock with that flowing spaceman's pace which always keeps one foot on the ground. Even so, he didn't unshackle his inward-reeling lifeline till he was inside the chamber. On the way, he topped a gaunt ridge and had a clear view of the balloons that were attached to the completed receptors. Those that were still full, both enormous, like ghostly moons. The Jovian gases that strained their tough elastomer did not much blur the stars seen through them, but they swelled high enough to catch the light of the hidden sun and shimmer with it. Their nearly discharged balloons hung thin, straining outward. Two full ones passed in slow orbit against the constellations. They were waiting to be hauled in and coupled fast, to release their loads into the station's hungry chemical plant, but there were not yet enough facilities to handle them at once, and the palace castle would soon be arriving with another. Blades found that he needed a few extra curses. Having cycled through the airlock, he removed his suit and stowed it, also the heavy gloves which kept him from frostbite as he touched its space-cold exterior. Tastefully clad in a navy surplus long john, he started down the corridors. Now that the first stage of burrowing within the asteroid had been completed, most passages went through its body, rather than being plastic tubes snaking across the surface. Nothing had been done thus far about facing them. They were merely shafts, two meters square, lined with doorways, ventilator grills, and fluoro panels. They had no thermal coils. Once the Nikolayan mass had been sufficiently warmed up, the waste heat of man in his industry kept it that way. The dark, chipped-out tunnels throbbed with machine noises. Here and there a girly picture of sentimental landscape from Earth was posted. Men moved busily along them, bearing tools, instruments, supplies. They were from numerous countries, those men, though mostly North Americans, but they had acquired a likeness, a rangy, leathery look, and a free-swinging stride that went beyond their colorful coveralls. Hi, Mark, how's she spinning? Hey, Mike, you heard the latest story about the Martian and the Bishop? Can you spare me a minute? We got trouble in a separator manifolds. What's the hurry, Mike? Your battery's overcharged? Blades waved the hails aside. There was need for haste. He could move fast indoors. Under the low weight, 
which became lower as you approached the axis of rotation, with no fear of tumbling off, but it was several kilometers from the gas receptor end to the people end of the asteroid. He rattled down a ladder and entered his cramped office out of breath. Avis Page looked up from her desk and wrinkled her freckled nose at him. You thought to take a shower, but there isn't time, she said. Here, use my anti-stinker. She threw him a spray cottage with a deaf motion. I got your suit and beard axe out of your cabin. Have I no privacy? He grumbled, but grinned in her direction. She wasn't much to look at. Not ugly. Just small, brunette, and unspectacular. But she was a supernova of an assistant. Make somebody a good wife some day. He wondered why she hadn't taken advantage of the situation here to snaffle the husband. A dozen women, all but two of them married, and a hundred men, was a ratio even more lopsided than the norm in the belt. Of course, with so much work to do, and with everybody conscious of the need to maintain cordial relations, sex didn't get much chance to rear its lovely head. Still, she smiled back with a gentleness that he found disturbing when he noticed it. Shoo, she said, your guests will be here any minute. Get to meet them in Jimmy's office. Blades ducked into the tiny washroom. He wasn't any 3V star himself, he decided, as he smeared cream over his face. Big, homely, red-haired, but not something you'd be scared to meet in the dark alley either, he added smugly. In fact, there had been an alley in Aresopolis. Things were expected to be going so smoothly by the time they approached conjunction with Mars that he could run over to that sinful, ginful city for a vacation. Long overdue. Whew. He wiped off his whiskers, shucked the zipskin, and climbed into the white pants and high-colored blue tunic that must serve as formal garb. Emerging, he stopped again at Avis's desk. Any messages from the palace? he asked. No, the girl said, but she ought to be here in another two watches, right on sked. You worry too much, Mike. Somebody has to, and I haven't got Jimmy's Buddhist ride-with-the-punches attitude. You could cultivate it. She grew curious. The brown eyes lingered on him. Worry's contagious. You make me fret about you. Nothing's going to give me an ulcer but the shortage of booze on this rock. Ugh, Bill Mbolo should call about those catalysts while I'm gone. Tell him. He ran off a string of instructions and headed for the door. Jung's hangout was halfway around the asteroid, so that one chief or other could be a little nearer the scene of any emergency. Not that they spent much time at their desks. Short-handed and under-mechanized, they're forever having to help out in the actual construction. Once in a while, Blades found himself harking wistfully back to his own days as an engineer with solar metals. Good pay, interesting if hazardous work on flying mountains where men had never trod before, and no further responsibilities. But most asteroids had the dream of becoming their own bosses. When he arrived, the Alta officers were already there, a score of correct young men in white dress uniforms. Short, squat, and placid-looking, Jimmy Jung stood making polite conversation. Ah, there, he said, Lieutenant Sisko and gentlemen, my partner, Michael Blades. Mike, may I present? Allah Blades' attention stopped at Lieutenant Zeska. He heard vaguely that she was the head quartermaster officer, but mainly she was tall and blonde and blue-eyed, with a bewitching dimple when she smiled, and filled her gown the way a Cellini Venus doubtless filled its casting mold. Very pleased to meet you, Mr. Blade, she said as if she meant it. Maybe she did. He gulped for air. And Commander Leibknecht, Jung said across several light years. Commander Leibknecht. Commander Leibknecht. Oh, sure, excuse. 
Blades dropped Lieutenant Ziska's hand in reluctant haste. Hard yado, Commander Lafrenich. Somehow the introductions were gotten through. I am sorry we have to be so inhospitable, Jung said. But you'll see how crowded we are. About all we can do is show you around, if you're interested. Of course you're interested, said Blades to Lieutenant Ziska. I'll show you some gimmicks I thought of myself, Jung scowled at him. We'd best divide the party and proceed along alternate routes, he said. We'll meet again in the mess for coffee, Lieutenant Ziska. Would you like to come with me, certainly, Blades said. Jung's glance became downright murderous. I thought, he began. Sure, Blades nodded vigorously. You being a senior partner, you'll take the highest ranking of these gentlemen, and I'll be in Scotland before you. Come on, let's get started. May I? He offered the quartermistress his arm. She smiled and took it. He supposed that eight or ten of her fellows trailed them.